This is Del Del Medina, Executive Director of Black and Brown Founders. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast, Rewriting the Playbook. If you like the conversations we have on here, I want to invite you to be a part of your own rewrite. Join us at Chroma on October 7th in Philadelphia. Chroma is a convening where Black and Brown Founders come together to make a change. This year's theme is where culture meets money. And we're planning discussions centered around culturally connected entrepreneurship, crypto, and Web3, and real estate. You won't want to miss out on the opportunity to gain insights into these hot topics and connect with leaders innovating across these industries. You can also look forward to live performances, authentic headshots, and local foods that highlight culture and emphasize wellness. Save the date. Again, that's October 7th. And join us for Chroma 23, an event that's sure to be a game changer for you and your business. Go to blackandbrownfounders.com to learn about Chroma 23. This is Del Del Medina. And Ania Williams. And this is Rewrite the Playbook podcast. And we have a very exciting announcement. Yes, we are excited to pass the baton to the wonderful Joshua Torres, who is going to be hosting and doing all the fabulous interviews on the podcast from here on out. And yes, we know that we have been gone for a long while, because you know what? Life is a real thing, and the pandemic was no joke. But having said that, we're excited as we're emerging out of the pandemic that Josh is taking over. Josh, welcome. Hi. So excited to be here. So excited to continue the legacy that y'all have built with the wonderful conversations and questions and speakers uh, who are part of our community. Fantastic. So we have a couple questions for you. Okay. Let me kick off by saying that um, I feel like you have followed, not even followed, you have been a partner with us on this journey for quite some time. I would love for you to kick off by sharing what role Black and Brown Founders has played in your own journey, especially as you now have, you've been in so many different places, but I feel like now you're sharing the wealth with leaders in communities. And it just also feels like so wonderful to see people kind of get activated in our networks this way. But I want to hear from your perspective. I would say my involvement with Black and Brown Founders has been through community connection. So the two of you for sure, and just being a fan and observer of all of the amazing work that y'all have done and the ways that you support people in our community who need support, who are often overlooked, who, you know, VCs overlook and who really need the holistic care that is required when you step into the journey that is being a founder. And you know, as you mentioned, I've been on my own journey as a tech employee, as someone who's part of this ecosystem, as then an ecosystem builder. And I've seen the gamut of success and needs and just ways that, uh, you know, we can really come together and be powerful when we when we see each other and see the value that we have. So, you know, I have stepped into both empowering more people directly as I've kind of built my own small space of wealth. And I'm also a founder myself now, right? I I started my own company in 2020. So I I feel more connected to the community now as someone who can partake in some of those resources and, and really just gain knowledge and just, again, community and partnership from everyone else who's on this journey, because now I am experiencing it for the first time. And I'm curious, because when you 
Did you always see yourself as a founder? Is Was this something that you knew that you were going to end up at? Or was this something that you came to and evolved to naturally? Yeah, I, I definitely never saw myself as a founder. I think my perception and vision of success always was to be an employee <laughs> and, you know, work my way up. I think that's all I knew. And it wasn't until I was in the tech space that I understood what entrepreneurship even was. And even being at startups, wasn't really aware of venture capital, wasn't aware of how the systems worked until I went and worked at the Cape Horse Center where I had a broader knowledge and a broader kind of introduction to all of that. And when I took that role, I think people started to see that in me. <laughs> so once people started reflecting that back to me, I was like, oh, curious. I was like, maybe this is something I could do one day, right? I have all the, all of this knowledge and experience. And instead of working for someone else and, and starting things and working at small stage startups, which is what I did for a long time, what if I built something for myself? And not even really for myself, what if I built something for my community? Because I think that's always what I was doing. Even when I worked at the Cape Horse Center in that capacity, you know, as an ecosystem builder, for me, it was just like, how do I build something for others? And I started to realize that I could invest in myself and investment being not just money, but my time and energy and how I wanted to focus all of that to create for others. So it was definitely not something that I ever saw myself doing, you know, early on in my life. And then I think it was a long journey, right? I had a coach, right? I'm a big fan of coaches. I'm a coach myself. Yes. But I had a coach who had to really work with me for a year to make me see it in myself, even though people had been reflecting it to me and get me to a place where I was confident enough to, to step into that and say, oh, I, I can do this. I am very well equipped to do this. And I have the confidence in myself and the belief that I can be an entrepreneur in this way and call myself that. I feel like you and I have personally had many conversations about what we envision for ourselves, um, what we're building for ourselves, what we feel like we're trying to do for our communities. I would love for you to share for the folks that are listening, what do you want for, for the community? Yeah, I am very interested in shared ownership. My vision for the world <laughs> is one where we are more of a collective and our mindset moves away from individual wealth and success to one that is investing in others. And I really believe that we're all so interconnected and I want us to see more of that and to come into community more. And, you know, I mentioned my background is in tech, right? And I think tech is amazing because it scales so many of these touch points and we're able to do so much globally. You know, we're connected globally in ways that we have never been, which is beautiful, right? I can talk to my family that, you know, I can FaceTime with my grandma in Puerto Rico, right? <laughs> that was not possible 20 years ago. That's amazing. At the same time, it will never replace going and visiting her in person. And I just want people to understand the both and of all of this, right? And leveraging technology, leveraging business to build wealth, build success, but making sure that we're in a mindset of sharing that and in a mindset where we're all coming up together and building things that are of benefit to all of us and not just the one, the one founder or the, you know, the founding team, um, really just, yeah, a shared and collective mindset. That is so beautiful. And since we're at 
uh, Chroma 2022, the money edition, and we've been talking about money. We have been talking about money. <sighs> Dinero, plata. <laughs> um, I am curious, like, how does money make you feel? Ugh. This is such a... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my answer. Right for the jugular with that one. Oh, okay. It's, it's so funny to have this question turned back on me because I've been asking everyone this question all day. It's complicated, right? I have a contentious relationship with money. I grew up poor. Uh, I didn't have money. It was My family was always in like survival mode and scarcity mindsets. So I think that informed a lot of my views on money early on. Like I just was like, I need to have enough money to survive. I need to pay my rent. And it also kind of like created and built a fire of ambition in me because I was like, I don't want to live like this. So I want to create success for myself so that I don't have to live like this. And then I did that. And once I did that, I will say that my relationship to money shifted it's always kind of been something that's made me really anxious because even when I started to have it and felt more secure with it, I think I had a lot of questions and a lot of gaps of knowledge that I had to fill around, okay, what, how do I, what do I do with this money? <laughs> and also, what does it mean to ascend a class status as a person of color and as being a part of a family that is still very much in a poverty cycle, right? And just navigating that and how money has kind of been a part of my identity and is always a relationship that I hold. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the historical sense of it. And I think I've come to a place to understand it as a tool that is helping me live the life that I want to live and empower me to make decisions that bring me joy, bring me happiness, and also help me to empower community, right? I think for me, the question is always, you know, how do I get to a place of enough where I am happy and I feel like my needs are met and I'm sustained and my money is still, you know, being generative in a way that it's not going to be gone or I don't have a fear of it being gone. And then how do I make more money, not just because I want to make more money and have all the dollars in the bank, but so that I can empower others and continue to be on this path where, you know, again, there's that collective wealth building happening and I can kind of share in all of that with more people. There are so many things coming up for me, as you said, that especially just thinking about I've been thinking since we heard Dr. Jolly this morning, um, her talk on wealth and legacy. And she kind of said this thing. I think she said it maybe twice. This idea of like you need to put on your wealth mask first and specifically in the context of going and helping our communities because otherwise you're just going to be asking other people to help your community, which I was like, wow, that made an impression on me. And I think that there's just like the, to this question, like how much is enough, like what is enough is a question that I think about a lot as well. There's part of me that wishes that we were even in a place with our community more broadly to actually have the conversations about that, right? Where we're still trying to orient people so much toward thinking about just how they can sort of tread water or like make the next step forward that the equation of enough is like it still feels out of reach so I'm curious to know um 
you know, like how are you thinking about the way that you can use your platform both as your voice here and on this podcast, yay, but also with the with the leadership advising and the coaching that you're doing, the education and the the sort of guidance that you can provide to people for how they can think about that, especially as we are all also sharpening our, our own visions around that. I am constantly working with clients, with people, individuals. And, you know, if I have a money message to share, it, it really is that money is just a tool and a means to an end to live the life that you want to live and lead. And I think that, you know, defining success is the most important part. So when we have this conversation with ourselves and collectively, because I think that's also missing. And, and one of the reasons I was so excited when I was invited to be a part of Chroma and that it was a money edition, I just was like, this is what we need more of. We need to be having more transparent conversations from a non-judgmental standpoint about where people are, where they are on their journey and how we can connect people to the resources and help that they need and an understanding of, you know, just the systems that exist. Because if you have an understanding of the system, you at least can navigate it a little bit more easily. And I think it's not lost on me either that I think it's a balance to what you said, Ania, like in terms of putting your, your money mask on first, right, and taking care of yourself. I think it's a balance in that that is so, so important. But I think I also struggle with and uh, have a lot of guilt around, you know, the class ascension sometimes and like how much money I've made. So I think for me giving back and again, having that conversation constantly of how much is enough while also understanding the generative piece of that and having that generative piece be kind of collective ownership for me is really key because it's like, yeah, my money mask is on, but like, how do I let go of that fear of it being gone the yeah. next day? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think about this a lot just in the context of like, I think that because of the conversations that happen publicly, like I think that, so for instance, I'm sitting here with Josh and Del Del, two of my favorite people. I feel like we both like, like separately, like we have conversations about money we have conversation about our ideas around money and I think that like I wish that there was the level of nuance that comes up in the conversations that we have with each other that maybe hopefully we can bring a taste of it to this podcast but that like when I look on Twitter for example because that's like where I'm very online most of the time the conversation is very binary where it's like you're poor or you're rich right and I'm like there's so much of a spectrum there like even in poverty, right? Like people are poor in the United States, but also some of our poorest people are not, uh, they're not living the same kind of lives as some folks in Latin America or Africa or India. And like what poverty looks like there does not look like what poverty looks like here. You know what I mean? Or even when you talk about people being rich, like the thing that someone might have as an idea of rich, like depending on what geography they live in, depending on how many kids they have, like depending on like all of these other things, what debt they might have inherited, um, like they might not be like really living this lifestyle. So I think there's just also this really interesting thing of like it's like you have zero dollars or you have like a billion dollars. And I'm like, there's so much room in between for like what the oxygen mask can look like and also like what it looks like to be like, okay, I'm good now. Like, let me look around and like, see what other opportunities that I, I can have, like that I can create for other people. Um, and I think that one of the other sort of things that got discussed earlier that I really liked too, was this kind of like, 
there was a diagram that Dr. Jolly showed about um, kind of like the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur and kind of having like a connective cycle there that I think is also really important in terms of how we think about investing in other people and like those kind of um, those people kind of they they bring back returns to us and also like we can bring returns to them. So I just I think that like these very interesting kind of like cycles that are not hierarchical, but are about like we each are playing a role in the system. We want to make sure we're moving resources and power in ways that feel equitable and also are like in the right place at the right time for the right solution. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I do want to talk about a little bit of what you brought up of like, you know, you either have zero or you have a billion and there's everything in between. The reality is part of the reason these conversations are difficult is that we actually don't have a cultural language around it. Mm. So even when you're listening to a podcast, watching a TV show, streaming something, whatever you're doing in terms of like general culture, it's either you see very, very, very wealthy people and it's like all the privilege and all the wonderfulness. Uh, you might see some upper middle class people, and then you very rarely see different kinds of poor people. Mm. Um, and as someone also that grew up in moments of, of poverty in my life where there was not enough food in my household and all these other things that, you know, we struggled with, um, I think the fact that you can't see yourself reflected or your reality reflected um, and that makes it difficult for you to even have language around it, right? So, like, when I would show up early to school to help the lunch lady set up because I knew I would get a free lunch out of it because my parents didn't want to fill out the paperwork and all that other stuff, and I would earn my free breakfast and my free lunch that way, I don't know. Nobody taught me how to do that. I just did that. Mm -hmm. But I think about all the other kids that I went to school who didn't even have that in them to be able and still went to school hungry, Right. But nobody was talking in the classroom of, like, I'm hungry, or there's right. not enough food at home, or my dad lost his job, and my mom can't get a job, and we don't know how we're going to eat. Like, that's not even a conversation that we have, because the systems in play and the cultural kind of pieces don't even allow us to have those conversations. And so that's when you end up in cycles of shame around, like, oh, this is a family thing and we don't talk about it or don't tell anybody. Or like my mom would always say, like, nosotros no somos pobres. We're not poor people <laughs> because we're educated. She would say that all the time as if education equals financial success. And the reality is that education does not equal financial success, mm. that the systems are not set up necessarily for us to be in the elite classes. And so often we conflate these things. And so we conflate both racial, ethnic, religious affiliations, class affiliation along with that, and then we have no language, no general conversation around this, so that we have to learn this. Like part of this conference and part of the this podcast and part of these conversations is like giving language to people to talk about these things. Like it, my mom would be horrified that I talked about this. She'd be like, <laughs> why are you bringing that up? That was a long time ago. You know, it wasn't that long. And I was like, but it hurt. I know it hurt her. I know it hurt me. It hurt our family in general. And that those traumas can compound over time mm -hmm. if you don't talk about them, that they, if we're not open about it. But the reality is, like, it's very, very, very rare for you to find some sort of, I will just say general media right now, that says, here's how a life like this looks like. Here's mm -hmm. what it looks like when you might be going to a fancy private school, like I did, as a scholarship kid, and you're buying clothing at Salvation Army, 
because that's what your family can afford. And that means that nobody wants to be friends with you, right? Like, I've never read that book, but I've also never written that book because mm -hmm. I had so much shame around that for such a long time of like, oh, my God, I don't want people to know that. Like, it was bad enough to experience that the last thing I want to do is write about it, right? Mm -hmm. But I just find myself having conversations with people and being vulnerable with people, and it is not unusual for somebody to have had an experience like this because, unfortunately, the systems that we're in do not allow you to have a financial Cushiness is the only way I can think of it, like a financial set of understanding so that you can have a consistency in terms of what class and what engagement you can have with the economic system. Right. It's like it, there's like there's predictability and stability and consistency as like these luxuries. And I think there's also this other piece to it, too, that. I mean, in one case, I'm like the nonprofit, like industrial complex definitely perpetuates around like how you kind of have to, in some ways, like sell these stories of hardship yeah. to funders to get them. Oh, and to and, be honest, like I, I want to yeah. acknowledge that I think the majority of people listening to this come from our communities and that's who I'm addressing this to. Yeah. If I had to go pitch to somebody... This is none other business. <laughs> I'm right. like, I'm like, because I will not be your poster child for what you think like saving me looks like. I, I don't need saving. Thank you so much. I need a line of credit. Right, <laughs> right. And it's like, it's almost like sometimes it's like they expect you to kind of show up on the, on the Zoom with like the fucking barrel and the suspenders on so that you can like yeah. show them I am in need. Um, and it's like, yes, but how needy are you really? You know so what I mean? So how tight is that barrel? We want to fund the neediest. <laughs> is that barrel like falling apart? Where'd you get that? Did you inherit that barrel from your grandfather? You know? Is it on layaway? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I will say this just brings me back to the importance and the value of this conference from everything that that Dr. Uh, Pamela jo Jolly was speaking on, everything that Ramona Ortega was speaking on with, you know, the practical tools like the money box that she created. I think having this, these conversations and also starting at home with family, which I think is so missing in our communities. So missing. It's also <laughs> the scariest part for some yeah. people. Totally. <laughs> They're like, I'll talk to the person on the street about it, but my mom, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think just like beginning there is where we can start to heal some of those traumas and also start to empower ourselves and our family units with the tools we need to build that legacy wealth. Right. And I think as someone also who is on the fence about like having kids, <laughs> like I think a lot also wait as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I said go for it. <laughs> also, they're great, but also wait. Well, I think a lot about like this convert this idea of legacy, right? Like, what does that mean for me if that's a choice that I make? And to me, regardless if I have children or not, the legacy is also in my community and the impact that I can have and that I can build and that can be outside and beyond me. And I think the more we think about that, the more we can kind of like shape what that looks like collectively and come together to build that together. And again, it, it all starts with those conversations. I'm excited to do it together. And especially with you um, here spreading a message. I think that I can speak at least for the three of us in the room, Josh, myself, Del Del, like we are extremely open and I personally invite people to like ask me anything about like, I feel like whether it has to do with 
what my personal journey has been like with money, like what things I've learned along the way, whether it be about business, whether it be about now that I am in philanthropy um, and I get to write checks, like what happens on the other side of the table? What conversations am I having with my colleagues? Like how does that money move around? How do they make decisions about that? Like ask us anything. We, if we know the answers and we don't actually, if we don't know the answers, we probably know someone who does Yes, and we can find the answer. So we're here for y'all. And congratulations, Josh, on taking over. I can't wait to listen because, you know, I'm a podcast listener, so I'm going to be a fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm super excited. I just can't wait to have more conversations and learn from people, right? Like that's that's what's exciting to me about this podcast is I get the opportunity to meet more people from the community, hear their stories and, and just put a spotlight on them. So really, really excited for this next chapter. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can also follow Black and Brown Founders on Instagram and Twitter at BB Founders. You can also follow me at the Josh Torres on Twitter. I'm Josh Torres. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.